From him who vowed to never wipe out his creation with a flood again. From him who walks on water and stills raging storms. Come all grace, mercy, and peace to each of you today. Amen. Our gospel lesson from Mark chapter 6 will serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. Recognition. Who doesn't like it? <laughs> Isn't that every basic or, or every human being's basic need is to, to be acknowledged? The desire to be acknowledged, to be recognized as having value or validity in life. Well, that's what recognition is. It's the acknowledgement of something or, or someone's validity, legality, or existence. It takes on many forms, from recognizing the recognition of circumstances to recognition of achievement, for that matter. But what does recognition look like for you? For me, when it comes to recognizing Christ Jesus as our Savior, how often do we recognize that He is at work no matter what storm we're, we find ourselves in the midst in, in life? What does that look like? Recognizing Jesus comes down to faith, which is at the very core of our existence, of our being. And we have to be able to recognize that Jesus is at work and continues to work. But what are others seeing through us? How do others recognize that Jesus is at work? What do they see when you and I try to go to work? You know, our faith that's worked by the Holy Spirit is what enables us to see the great, amazing things that Jesus does in our own lives and in the lives of others. But as we all know, our faith is sometimes, well, it's downright shaky falls apart, crumbles. So just how much does God have to do to, to show us that He's alive and well? That His promises endure and they don't fall apart? Well, this week, once again, we find our disciples in yet another boat, on another trip, across another body of water. As Jesus tells them to get in the boat and go to the other side. This time, we find them in the boat, though, without Jesus sleeping comfortably in the helm, or without even being in the boat for that matter. It was not that long ago that, that Jesus got into a boat with them and slept, and they encountered a storm, and then, of course, they railed against Jesus about not caring. Now this time, they set off in some headwaters, making painful headway, going nowhere fast, finding another storm out at sea. And as they row, furiously going nowhere, where's Jesus? Not sleeping. He's up on a mountainside, praying. <laughs> and the Lord only knows what He's praying about. Perhaps He's praying that, that they would come into the faith and that their faith would be strong against the things you know, that they encounter in life. Perhaps He's praying that their hearts would no longer be hardened, but would be softened to, to recognize the things that Jesus does. And this, this storm that they encounter is not the first difficult thing that Jesus asked them to do today. It was just a little while ago that He asked them to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. A seemingly impossible task. And yet here they are, straining furiously against headwinds, going nowhere. But they didn't give up. They were rowing and rowing and rowing while Jesus was praying. <laughs> and praying, and praying. Now you wouldn't think that, that the Lord 
would allow his people or intentionally put his people into difficult situations, or maybe you couldn't think that he would do such a thing, right? That, but it was the Lord who actually compelled these disciples to get into this boat, to go into a tight spot and in, a, in scary conditions. But isn't that the nature of Jesus' works? Isn't that the nature of our responsibilities? To go <laughs> boldly? into those tight spots and those scary spots. Well, as Jesus prays, the disciples row, and they row all night long, making very little progress. Do you ever had those days in life where it seems like you're in that boat, and you're rowing and rowing, and you're going nowhere fast, and it seems like the harder you row, the more tired you become, and the worse things become? It's like one of those Chinese finger puzzles, right? You ever done those? Put your, your fingers in there, and the more you pull against it and tighter, the tighter those things get. You can't pull your fingers out. It's like being in that boat, isn't it? Who knows what you're facing when, when you're rowing furiously. You're trying to pay the bills, and you're juggling family issues or, or health concerns or whatever else life has to throw at you. And it's exhausting, and it's frustrating, and it leaves you tired. And it seems impossible, and honestly, it seems like it's never going to end. And that's what it was for the disciples as they rode all night long. And this time Jesus isn't there to calm the storm for him, or at least not yet. But does that mean that the Lord doesn't care? Does that mean the Lord's not keeping a watchful eye on him or not praying for him? No. There's Jesus up on the mountainside praying. And as evening came, what did he do? Probably perhaps perched way up on the mountain with a great view. He looks down and see these people haven't gone very far, that they're making painful headway against the straining, constraining winds, exhausting themselves. And here's what I find interesting. This is as evening came. But when did Jesus decide to go out in the water to him? Not until the fourth watch of the night, which would have been about 3 a.m. to 6 p.m. time frame, somewhere in there. And he doesn't go out and meet them in a boat, does he? just straps his sandals on and walks out on the water. Which I think is pretty cool. Now, I don't know about you. The last time I tried to walk on water, I fell through a half inch of ice. It seems like it's a pretty impossible thing to do, right? Most of us know this story about, we hear the story of Jesus walking on the water. You probably, your mind goes like mine does to Peter. Peter trying to walk on the water. Except Mark doesn't tell us about Peter. <laughs> the other little gospels do. Mark leaves that little detail out. He's still focused, though, on the people on the boat. Focused on Jesus walking out on the water to them. And Jesus intended to go by. When they look out of the boat, what do they see? They see Jesus. Well, probably wasn't Jesus in their minds, right? They saw something out there, which was, in their mind, a ghost. It was a phantom. They were terrified, right? Which makes sense because back in their days, the sea was related to chaos, the demon world, right? So this, them being in the middle of a storm, seeing somebody out there, their mind goes to, oh my gosh, what more are you going to throw to at us, God? Now they're terrified. They shrink back in the boat. But Jesus then stops, doesn't He? And what's He tell them amidst this storm? Be calm. It is I. Don't be afraid. Have you ever heard His voice in the middle of a storm speaking to you? 
Now I'm causing you to think back to when Jesus was doing those things, back to the storms that we go into in life. That's the other part of this, right? Sometimes, you know, we remember the storms for what they are, but we forget the storms for what God has done in them. The ways that He has pulled us out, the ways that He has strengthened us to get through the storms or calm the winds. The providence of God. And we forget the great promise that, that, that God gave Noah and all His people and all creation. That He would never wipe out creation with a flood again. Who's in control? Is it us? Or is it God? How often do we think we're in control and try to control the situations only to make it matters worse? Failing. Now, I'm not saying the disciples tried to take control. They were only doing what Jesus asked them to do. Or at least that's what Mark leads us to believe, right? Jesus just told them to go get in the boat and go to the other side. And they rode, and they rode, and they rode, and they rode. And it was finally Jesus that came out to them. Now, yeah, they were terrified. They were scared. Okay, Jesus did calm the storm. And then, you know, he gets back into the boat and everything ceases. But what's the story really about? It's about a whole bunch of different things, right? It's about lack of faith, a shaky faith. It's about not recognizing Jesus amidst a storm. Jesus is at work. And here's the other interesting thing. What, what kind of astounds, astounds me more than anything else is the fact that when Jesus calms a storm, the disciples were dumbfounded. <laughs> they were astounded. Did they not just see Jesus do this a few weeks ago on a boat? Had they not witnessed Jesus healing people, turning water into wine, raising people from the dead? Had they not just seen Him calm another storm in their midst? And yet, they're, they're totally astounded that Jesus did this. Jesus does amazing things, people. Right? He never ceases to amaze with what He does because He's the Lord of all creation. He's the Lord of you. He's the Lord of me. He's the only one that can still these things. <laughs> and yet, I astound myself with my lack of faith sometimes in seeing Jesus at work. And what's more astounding is what happened when they get to the other side and they step on the shore. Because what does Mark tell us? They get out of the boat <laughs> and people immediately recognize Jesus. Here's a land that apparently he hadn't been to before. They probably have just heard about Jesus, but they see him. What was it that they recognized in him? Because what did they do? They ran and they got all of their sick and all of their lame and their oppressed, and they brought him before the Lord, recognizing that he's the one that can cure these people. And the disciples who had been around Jesus the whole time couldn't recognize him. That's what astounds me more than anything else. So how do we recognize Jesus? I mean, honestly, we weren't there 2,000 years ago when He roamed the earth, or for that matter, walked on the water. None of the Gospels tell us what He looks like physically. I mean, at least with John the Baptist, we know He was a wild, rugged guy, right? But there's no physical description of Jesus. So how do we recognize Him? And how do others recognize Him through us? And that comes down to the core of faith. The faith in recognizing 
that we have to accept Jesus just as he is and for what he does. And that causes us to reflect back on the ways that he has worked in our own lives. Those times that he's pulled us out of seemingly impossible situations, that he's calmed the storms in our lives, and to say, aha, yeah. So if Jesus did that then, why should today be any different? Why should the situation I find myself in today be any different than those times that he's pulled me out before? And it shouldn't be. But that's part of recognizing Jesus for who he is and what he does. Now, something else I find interesting is these hardened hearts of theirs, right? So we, let's go back. Why could they not recognize Jesus here? Because their hearts were still hardened. <laughs> they were still hardened. They didn't understand what the, the, what the loaves of bread were all about. They didn't understand feeding the people. They certainly weren't going to understand how Jesus was walk, standing out there on the water, how He calmed the storms. I go back to, to the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel for a second. Ezekiel 36 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I want you to think about this for a minute. A heart that's apart from God is made out of stone. Fire melts ice, but not stone. A hammer bends stubborn iron, but not stone. Water softens clay, but not stone. A stone resists all these influences that try to shape it. A stone may be shattered into fragments, but at the end of the day, it may be ground to powder, but it's still hard molecules and nothing more. But yet, it's with the dust of diamonds that a diamond cutter cuts the diamonds. And with such a heart then, a heart made out of stone, a person can only be saved because there's nothing impossible with God. And then with a heart of stone, one cannot recognize Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Which begs the question, what more does God have to do for one to believe that Christ is Lord of all creation and that with God, nothing's impossible? So I challenge you all. I want you to reflect back on those times that God has worked in your life to help you to see today how He's still at work. But you can reflect back on that. But what's going to help you more than anything else is being in tune with the Lord. Because it's only His Word that can shape us and mold us, that can open our eyes and soften our hearts. It's only His presence that can lead us and guide us. It's only the Holy Spirit that can empower us and strengthen us when we're tired, when we're worn out, when we've exhausted things, that can help us to continue to do His work so that others can see the presence of Christ, experience it in their lives. How are you recognizing Jesus today? What are you going to do when you leave here today that will cause others to see that God is still very much alive and at work? You know, why does it seem that people who are newer to faith seem to recognize and run and cling to Jesus more than those who have been in the faith for a while? I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but the one year that I took the youth up to Cincinnati a few years back, when we went to, to my friend's church there. He works with Inner Center uh, Mission. 
This is what I noticed that astounded me more than anything else. It wasn't all the religious organizations coming together to care for this, this homeless population. It wasn't even the homeless population itself. <laughs> it was the fact that every person that I encountered that was homeless, that were in these conditions, seemed to know more about God than even your most seasoned pastors. They could point out where God was at work or how He's at work. That's what it is. It's at the core of our relationship. The only thing that can strengthen our faith and send us out into this world, enlivened, that can give us the strength to keep rowing that boat when we're making painful headway. Now, we may not have a physical description, but that doesn't mean He's alive. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face storms in our lives and hard conditions. And it doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't care or isn't paying attention for that matter. He prays. He prays on mountainsides and in gardens. He prays no matter where He's at, where we're at. He's always with us. We experience His presence in the sacraments. He's calmed our storms in the waters of baptism and given us the Holy Spirit to help us to walk His ways, to strengthen our faith. Calls us and speaks to us in His Word and in Scripture. And shapes us and forms us in the experiences that we find ourselves in life. We need not be afraid, for Christ is at present. He's at work, and only through Him can our hearts be softened, our ears be made to hear, and our eyes be made to see and recognize Him. And so I pray that we would ever walk together in His ways, as one in the body of Christ, proclaiming Christ to a world who needs to see and experience Him amidst the storms. No matter what we face or where we're sent, Christ's peace is with us. And to God be all the glory. Amen.